This is Mick from Temperance, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Hello, everyone. Hello, Bruce. Hello, Chris. Hello, Hello. Lina. Hello. Is that a SE reflection filter I see beside you there? Uh, yes, it is. Great <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. to the gear porn, huh? Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's. No dinner, I'm actually. No <laughs> that's this, you know, music nerds. This is what we are. <laughs> he's, he's just trying to impress you with his. No. I'm not. I was actually just wondering how it works in that room. <laughs> so that was well, like, actually, I would like to take the monitor and turn it, you know, flip flop it so you could see like the speakers, the audio car. But this is my home studio in my living room. So <laughs> nice. Is, is this where you record most of your stuff? No, this is where I record demos and ideas that comes to my mind when I'm at home. Uh, yeah. I, I actually I run a studio like my. Second job slash first job, depending on how much you consider being a singer a real job. Because <laughs> when, I, when I tell my parents, you know, I am I am a singer. This is my job. They tell, okay, but what's your real job? The answer <laughs> is I run my own recording studio here in Italy, which is where we record Temperance's records and some yeah some bands that I produce. So nice. That there there is where I actually do the real business. Right. But well, I, I, I consider singing real business. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too, me too. It's just that my parents, they keep on not believing that. So. Right. <laughs> this I understand. This makes sense to me. <laughs> all right, Rena, you want to go? How are you all doing? You're doing great. I'm just good. asking how you are all doing. All good? But, yeah, it's all been a good. Good morning so far. Get to see everybody and talk. It's great. Nice. Nice, 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 nice. I'm Out hating the Okay. I gotta say, like, I'm in, I'm in Finland, so we're in the worst freaking season where it's basically just Mordor from morning till evening. Orcs okay. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it's just really dark, and it's it's hard on you as a person because people need the sun. Yes. <laughs> we don't have it. <laughs> but that's really convenient. You in your recording studio. Tell us more. Like, which bands are you producing? Do you have like whoever just walks in and gives you a bunch of money? You're like, cool, let's make an album. Or do you need to be a fan of the band to produce them and allow them? Well, I, I of course I try to select. I try to select the stuff I work with. But there are a couple of bands which I've been working since ages now. Uh, well, ages. It's since a couple of years. It's right. more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are some good ones actually that I could promote and invite since you are asking this question there is a band called sandness just like sadness but with an and which is an aor band from trento italy i've been working with them since uh, 2015 i think for the last two records and ep uh, they are currently looking for a bigger label and i would suggest to check them out if you like aor and hard rock stuff because i really believe in those guys they are super young there is another band which is impossible to find a label to because they have their own style, uh, which is really close to pop, but also to punk and also to modern metal. So it's really hard to identify their, cor- their perpetual fate. Perpetual fate. Okay. Also super young. I, I tend to work with super young bands, you know, like I have 
most of the bands I work with, they are between 20 and 25 years old. Newcomers searching for labels. Sometimes they find it, sometimes they don't. There is a Swedish right. band, which is called Emetropia. They just released their first full length. Uh, and it's another band that I produce. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I would say, new in the business. It's not that man, that, that long that I uh, right. produce bands. So yeah, maybe in the next future we will talk uh, about bigger bands. <laughs> but for now, it's yeah, <laughs> young, young X. Right. Do so, you think that they're like more open to your suggestions, and this is why you want to work with younger people, like the older? More experience. No, 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 no. There is uh, if if to, if tomorrow Epica would like to come to my studio, I will totally <laughs> appreciate the, the, the chance. But I just believe that they are safe where they are with uh, Yoast, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the record for a minute. Uh, Diamante. Now that it's yeah. now that it's done, complete, and out in the world, how do you feel about it? And are you uh, satisfied with the way it turned out? Actually, I'm super, super satisfied of this record. Actually, for, probably I will be the first one to say this, but we have to say thanks to the pandemic because it really gave us time to work uh, in a way more detailed way on this record compared to the previous works of Temperance. Uh, Viridian, we really wanted to release it in 2000, uh, well, last year, actually. <laughs> we really wanted to release it at the beginning of the year. Uh, and we felt like we had to rush a couple of things, uh, especially when it comes to the orchestration and some arrangements, we had to speed up the process to be uh, in time to release it in January. Um, and in the end, it was pointless because the pandemic popped up one month after and completely destroyed every promotion. <laughs> but at least but at least we had like one year uh, in our flats, in our homes, uh, to work properly on every detail for Diamante. And actually, I think this paid off. Now that I've seen what we can do when we really focus and take our time to develop some stuff, I believe that I will try to push Marco to go slower before releasing uh, the seventh record, because I believe that this one really... I mean, you can clearly hear that there is much work behind the arrangements, behind the guitar work, behind the bass work, behind the vocal arrangements. I consider it a pretty strong step forward compared to the work that we've sure. done before. But, you know, when you are a touring band and Temperance is a touring band, uh, you have to release, tour, release, tour, release, tour. And if you don't do this, uh, you die, you know, you get overwhelmed by all the releases. So it's not like you, we could do better than we than we right. did before but now maybe we can think we can take things you know slower <laughs> for the future let's see <laughs> I, I actually have a question about that since the pandemic was around and italy was hit especially hard um did you guys do a lot of like home recording and then bring it to the studio or were you trying to work safely in the studio environment no everything was done on zoom <laughs> everything from the first note to the last note, in terms of composition and on pre-production, everything was done on Zoom. Mm, Even yeah. the orchestras, like the orchestral arrangement. Uh, for Viridian, uh, Marco and I, we took one week off uh, and we went in a house in the mountain. That's a real story, actually. Without yeah. internet, without any connection. And we spent one week there on our own to try this new experience and focus only on composing and arranging the music. 
uh, and this was completely not possible with uh, with this record. So we spent like three or four months uh, calling each other almost every day, uh, working on Zoom, you know, arranging first this song, then this other one, then the third one. Follow me and Pure Life Unfolds, they've been composed on Zoom. So the idea came out, you know, step by step, riff after riff on Zoom while working together. And for some weird reason, I love this process. I'm not, I will never say I wish for another pandemic to come because <laughs> I mean, I, I think that everyone would fairly kill me and I would appreciate. Right. <laughs> but actually, this was a good way of working, a good, yeah, a good method, I would gotcha. say. No, you know what? I actually agree with you. I, I, I hate the pandemic. I hate what it's done to everything, but I love what it's done for creativity. Like yeah, yeah. the ability to really have the time to focus and work. And like you say, if you're working in the same room with someone for a week, you, you run into all of these like personal issues sometimes, you know, like, Oh, he's in the bathroom too long or that showers take too long or, or whatever, you know, but, but all those little things, they rub you in, in a certain way. But when you work on zoom, it's like a 40 minute phone call. You work for a while, then you can hang up and you can work on your own. Then you can call back and you can constantly, you're not being invaded by someone else's space and not, and they're not being invaded by yours, but yet you can still collaborate and bring those yeah, that's, together. That's for sure. In general, I believe that especially in the last 10 years, I would say, at least I speak for myself, my life was more and more rushy. Like I felt like time was shortening up and I would have needed 28 hours days, 30 hour days, 32 hours days. With the pandemic, actually, I rediscovered time. This is the only bright side of this entire story <laughs> that we are facing right now, uh, because I really rediscovered time and I understood the importance of time and, you know, taking the right time to do things, which I could only do because someone forced me to stop with my work in the studio, uh, stop, you know, Marco with his uh, regular daily life business. We were forced at home. Here in Italy, we had a serious lockdown. I, yeah. I don't know what happened exactly in the US, but we were stuck in at our homes for three months. Like the only thing we could actually do was going out to the grocery store and have a one-hour walk. This was everything that we were allowed to do. The remaining 22, 23 hours per day, we were forced to stay here. And I found myself with so much free time that I was asking myself, okay, now what do I do? This never happened before, as far as I can remember. Maybe when I was a kid, you know. And this is precious. Time is uh, a priceless, uh, incredibly priceless value that we have. I, I actually don't think you're alone in that, in that feeling. And I think that's why the, as the economy comes back, there's a lot of open jobs that nobody's filling. And it's not because the people aren't there. It's because, like they, like you say, they've rediscovered time, and they've reevaluated who they are, yeah, and what they want to be. And it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's Sorry, absolutely. this is this is not music related. So I guess I should. 
Still, you know, you know the artist and his thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, that never happens on the show that we stray off. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, you, this this <laughs> sentence sounded really truthful. <laughs> yeah, but this is a really interesting subject, though. You both are extremely correct, and and Chris is very much onto something here that we're at the verge of like a mass rediscovery of ourselves and what it is to be a human and what has value, what hasn't. And that's really amazing. And it's it's just super interesting to watch how the big mechanics of society, meaning capitalism, is then fighting back on this sort of spiritual awakening, if you can like put it into something as big as that. But that's basically what it is though, isn't it? Because <clears throat> people just realize that, holy shit, I don't need to be spending three hours of my day in public transport and just literally running. I was literally running places every day yep. to run my life before the pandemic started and was just incredibly relieved when it happened. And for me, that was also like a wake up call. Like, holy shit, if, I, if I'm this happy that I don't have to live my life anymore, then I need to reevaluate and quickly. And so many people have faced that. And that says something huge about how we built our world and our lives. And it's it's a welcome change, but let's see if it lasts. That's the big question. I, I, I agree. Well, I hope that smart working that has been somehow rediscovered, discovered, or spread at least uh, with, with the pandemic will last longer because it, at least in Italy, it seems that uh, everything is more efficient with smart working except for school, you know, yes. a, a, after, after a certain age. Because it, at the beginning, you know, till you are 18, 19, you need to socialize. This is extremely important. But after that age, it really feels like, you know, feeling free to do things the way you want in the time you want from your place relieves your mind, relaxes your mind, and you are more efficient. So even your working activity becomes more efficient. And this is kind of it's amazing. True. You know, I, I've been working from Have home you? for years, but... I remember I used to have to go out and work. And then when I started working at home, suddenly I found what used to take me eight hours, I was getting done in four or five hours. Mm -hmm. What are you asking? Rina? Rina. Have you done any, any long distance recordings with the bands that you're producing? Yes, yes. Like the Swedish band never came to my studio, for instance. They sent right. the recordings and we worked on like, even the the, uh, the choirs, I guided them online. So yeah. 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 Were you guys using like session wire or were you using uh, audio? Oh, I use I use Cubase. I use Cubase, and there is a, a specific tool uh, that is integrated in Cubase. But yeah. of course, like sessions or there are plenty of these apps right now that can connect you. They yeah. fix the latency so that you can actually listen somehow in real time. I mean, yeah. real time means. 100, 150 milliseconds, but this is nothing, you know, so it's absolutely worth it. And even with Marco, uh, during the pre-production of Diamante, uh, he was like recording his guitar at his place. He was sending me the wave files. I was mounting them on the platform and through Zoom, he was listening to what was going on on my Cubase. So it's an interesting process. The um, latest Visions of Atlantis record uh, that is going to be released next year, I don't know if you are aware that I also sing for Visions of Atlantis. Um, the sound guy, the studio engineer, and I, we were connected on Zoom, and he was using an external software to uh, stream 
his Reaper because he uses Reaper yeah. in my in my monitor. So that was actually in listening to the session in high quality uh, yeah. while he was mixing it to fix, you know, the levels, the balance to define the arrangements and everything. So, I mean, 2021 is uh, fantastic on this side. <laughs> no, I mixed, I mixed a ton of records this year using um, a plugin called Audio Movers Listen To. And you can stream it at, at 24-bit 96K if the inter- internet can handle it. Audio movers, right? Audio movers, you said. Yeah, audio movers and the plug. I think is this is what we were using with VOA. I think this is what we were it's using. cheap too. It's like five bucks a week to use. Yeah, you have a subscription, like yes. Yeah, I think yeah. This was the software. Or it's like twenty-five bucks a month. But like I would I would say, okay, I'm ready for reviews, and I would just send out a link and the client clicks it and they're listening to it wherever they, they could listen to it. They're like, Oh, I want to do a car check. And they could just go to their car, get the phone out. Hit the link. Bluetooth, yeah. The yes. Wow. And then they okay, I want to listen to it in a, in my earpods or whatever. And then they hook up the earpods, just all through the same link. It's just unbelievable what what can be done. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. On this side, it's wonderful. Music is like so many tools that we have as musicians, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. So on a non-technical note, how many singing lessons have you taken in your life? Uncountable. A lot uncountable i've been studying um i've started with a jazz teacher no yes. that's actually not true i started in a choir when i was really young i was like six to seven years old i don't remember when i started actually uh, but i was studying piano and it was mandatory in our school to have a secondary uh, course that you had to follow and i chose uh, choir singing um and of course the teacher was not only teaching us how to read the notes on a sheet, but he was also uh, teaching us how to breathe properly. And this was my first approach to singing. And I've been studying for eight, nine years, piano, consequently, uh, choir singing too. After that, I decided to study to study lead singing, like solo singing. And I subscribed to a modern uh, singing uh, school. And my teacher was a jazz teacher. Uh, she was called Irena. Uh, which guided me through the first approaches to, you know, expression and uh, improvisation and all this, all, all of this stuff. Then at a certain point, she told me, you know, what you are doing with your voice, of course, I was a rock singer already, is kind of far to my way of teaching. And I feel like it's better for you if you find someone else who is more into the style and the jar that you are willing to approach. Um, so this was kind of a wake up call for me because I understood that it doesn't only matter to study your instrument, but finding the right person was something important. Some like having the best teacher or a teacher that is appropriate for your style is fundamental. So I searched for someone in Italy who could help me. Uh, and I found Michele Lupi, who is currently the keyboard player of Whitesnake, but he's an amazing singer. He's an amazing singer. Um, and he was one of the most renowned teaching singers that we had in Italy back in the days. I think he still is, but he doesn't teach that much because of uh, Whitesnake, of course. And I've been studying with him for four years, four or five years. Uh, Then my musical career started to be, I would say, invasive in my regular daily life, free time. And I had to drop, uh, like this uh, weekly slash monthly uh, lessons 
And I started to uh, develop some lyrical singing with a lyrical teacher, uh, which I still see every now and then, but it's like once every year or twice, just to, you know, to focus on some details when I have doubts or something like that. It's like a car review, you know? (laughs) (laughs) A tune up. But it's like, okay, (laughs) tell me, tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Rina? Rina? Yeah, so <clears throat> you're just checking your road worthy. I don't know what the hell's going on with my throat. <laughs> I don't mean to be <laughs> not you guys, but I am. So do you think, like, to go back to the whole remote uh, recording sessions, and you said that you were you were um, directing them online and so on, do you think that there's something mm, missing from the connection with the producer and the musicians if you're not, like, physically in the same space? Do you think that there's ideas that you you could be missing or, or like some sort of personal connection that could, could encourage the musician to do better or something like that? Well, this goes a, a bit into the emotional level rather than on the technical level, because yeah. I personally believe that mm, there is this thing that someone called mojo in the past. Someone says it's mood. Someone says it's vibe. I don't know your word to call this ethereal and untouchable thing that music has you know it's something that you cannot feel and you cannot perceive from from a screen or from the speakers and sometimes the best take is not the most correct but is the one that has a higher level of mojo a bigger aura or whatever you want to feel it and this is not reachable uh, online and also, this is what really makes concert live shows needed, in my opinion, because the, sometimes you watch the videos from the show that you've been performing of, or attending the day before, and they are super shit on YouTube. But that there, in that moment, they were so awesome that you were shivering or cr- even crying, you know? And you rewatch them, you say, but this guy is singing as shit now. Why <laughs> is this happening? Because... The mojo, the vibe that you were feeling there while physically there, you cannot you cannot feel it, you cannot touch it, uh, or whatever, or whichever word you want to use uh, when when it's online, you know. And this is something that yeah, it's limited when it comes to online working. So speaking of I live shows, go ahead, Chris. Sorry, I I I, I feel guilty. Um, I'm interrupting <laughs> Rena <Good>. here. Yeah. <laughs> But speaking of live shows, when do you guys plan on touring again or playing live again? Then February, March, April, May. Actually, we have the Taria tour. Uh, we are supporting Taria. This was supposed to happen in 2020. Then it was postponed to 2021 and then postponed to 2022. Hopefully it will happen in 2022. I mean, the situation in Europe is not that stable again but somehow i believe that this is also related to the season because it's inevitable that in winter the cases will raise again and it's now six months five months since everyone took the second shot so it's fair enough that now with the third shot and everything the situation will improve again so i'm positive not in the covid sense of the word for (laughs) february (laughs) for february march i'm positive that tours will happen anyways if it doesn't happen in february we have a march leg with taria again and then april and may we have uh to announce it's not official but i can already spread the news we have an headlining tour with temperance that will last something like three weeks 
that will include UK, that will include uh, Germany, Central Europe, Eastern Europe, some shows in Spain, if I'm right. So there is a lot ongoing. Uh, the plan is to play as much as we can and recap all the shows that we didn't play in the last year and a half. Right. But you know, uh, how can you promise it will happen <laughs> in these days? You can't. You, nope, you, just said, you just said something that piqued my interest, that you guys are going to the UK. How hard is it now for a European band to tour in the UK since Brexit? It, it just, it's just a matter of getting the visa. It's as hard as going to the US. Okay. We have to, we have to pay a working visa as, as much as we have to do it with, uh, with the US. Right. So yeah. it's not, I wouldn't say it's the easiest process, but this is just because some bands, they are not willing to invest in advance. Right. For instance, we decided to pay our visas on our own. Uh, with, with temperance and yeah. it was super easy to get the shows because everyone is willing to welcome uh, European bands now. And I guess it would be the same in the U S it's just that, you know, traveling with five people, guitars, instruments, and right. rack from Italy to the U S it's tiny bit more expensive. So right. this is not as easy as say, okay, I will pay 300 euros for my working visa in the, in the right. UK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friends. We sorry that was we were all over the place, but that's the way I like the interviews to go. Just whatever happens, happens. So that's the most funny interviews ever because you don't speak about you know the regular things. I'm so fed up with being asked when did you guys formed up? When that we did the band start? What happened when the lineup changed and blah blah blah? This is way right. more interesting and shows some aspects of the artist that is actually not always easy to to show and i hope that it's more appreciated even from the point of view of the listeners you you nailed our our model right on the right on the head that's how we try and do this just a casual conversation and wherever we go we go hey for fans <laughs> for fans who want to find you you want to drop your social media links so they can of course find you? of course it's absolutely easy temperance official everywhere except for the website which is temperance band so instagram temperance official facebook temperance official www.temperanceband.com and from there you will find all the links to our web store, to our label, to our video clips, to everything. News, of course, we keep everything as updated as we can and that's it. Just I, I can only invite the listeners to listen to Diamante and uh, I want to invite everyone to check the Spotify version because uh, compared to the physical version, we have five more songs or better, five more version of the title track uh, as the title track on the physical version is in Italian. I mean, the chorus is in Italian. Whilst on Spotify, you will find the Spanish, English, German and French version too. Nice. So if oh, wow. there are listeners from Canada, they will find Diamante in French. If there are listeners from Latino America or something, they will find the Spanish version. I promise the next time we will also include Russian, Portuguese, and all the other <laughs> complain like, why didn't you do it? Why didn't you sing it in Russian? And it's like, I mean, guys, we're doing our best. Right. If, if you're touring with Daria, I guess you have to do a Finnish version, right? Yeah, or Swedish, because I mean, there are so many languages. <laughs> it's just yeah. that we have to to learn to do it decently, because if we end up mocking a language, it's not really nice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's already, I'm Italian, it's already an effort to talk properly or at least almost properly in English. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're doing great on that respect. So, no worries awesome. there. Right, good luck. <laughs> everything and and like i hope you guys get to do that tour with <clears throat> with daria thank you and i i mean never say never i hope we see each other on the road sooner or hell later. yeah absolutely oh, yeah 
Thanks if you're for ever taking in the, the US, time. Hit it, hit hit me up because I'm gonna go uh, check it out. I will. I mean, with when the pandemic started, I was in the US with Visions of Atlantis. We played six shows out of 20, if I'm right. So kind of disappointing. But <laughs> I hope we will come back. I still have my my visa is still is still valid for the next four years. So, <laughs> so All we'll, right. we'll meet somewhere down the road. Thank you so much for taking the time. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Hey, be Cheers. well. Bye. Cheers. Bye. 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 Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast.